there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Second period. All right, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline. I'm Dana Lane along with Chris the Moose Johnson at the control. Come to you from the Brian Blessing Studio, brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. It is so difficult keeping up with everything that is going on. And we talked about it yesterday with uh, Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun-Times that uh, I thought this was going to be crazy yesterday. And that's exactly what happened. So just to give you an update on the draft, um, one the Knights can finally and have finally participated in. If you're watching the draft this morning, I mean, it is name after name after name. I mean, it's it goes by fast. I wish, you, I wish the NFL did that. Uh, but uh, uh, Slavkovsky obviously was picking, picked number one by Montreal in, in, the, uh, in the draft yesterday at the Bell Center. And it wasn't a surprise to me because – Shane Wright was the guy that they talked about drafting for a very long time. In fact, the Montreal Canadian fans who were at the arena were pretty vocal with the fact that they weren't happy that Shane Wright was not drafted. Uh, but Slavkowski, if you've seen him, um, he has an NHL body already, loves to go to the front of the net, seems to have a lot of uh, real good vision on the ice. And the one question I always have, and if we can get Corey Hirsch on, who's dealing with some phone issues. The one question I always have is, how do you equate what you've seen, and maybe it's different between, say, a player that plays over in Europe or one that plays in North America, where, where you can get a little bit more feel for his game, but how do you take somebody who played in Sweden or played in Finland or you know, played in uh, you know, Germany, how do you equate that to hey, look, this is the excitement level that I can have here in the National Hockey League. And I, I just – I think I have outside of the top two or three guys where you know they're you know, one-year or one year projects and then they're going to be in the league, I, I just – all these guys, it's such a crapshoot. I mean, I don't know any other sport where the draft is so much of a crapshoot. And you can sit there and say, well, you know, look at us. We got this guy. We picked, uh, you know, 130th, and now he's a terrific second-line center. Well, okay. I mean, you guessed. You, you guessed. Everybody is. It's it's so, whether a guy can skate well, or whether you're you're trying to fill a need, or his ability to get a shot off, or how hard his shot is, or is he willing to go to the front of the net? All of those things. But you don't really know because you're drafting kids that are just that. They're kids, and you are projecting. In the NFL, there's no projection. Like, this is who you are. Next year, you're going to be a major part. If you're a top draft pick, you're going to be a major part of our, our, our what we're doing in our organization. The NHL, I mean, these guys can go to college, and you don't see them on that level for four or five years. So we'll see how that uh, all plays out. And that's why, yeah, the draft is great. I don't get so excited about it, excited about it because – it's just I know whatever team that you're following usually is not going to be an impact the next year. 99% is not going to be an impact. Maybe in two years, but certainly not the next year. Okay, let's get a little 
closer to home. Yes, I know, Austin Matthews. Relax. Let's get a little closer to home where the Skating Rebels will start their summer evaluation camp in about a month. Let's bring in assistant head coach Nick Raboni. And, Nick, it's great to talk to, to you again. I'm, cer- I'm certain that you've had uh, quite a busy summer. And for you, and I, you know, we've had some months pass now. Last season didn't end with a title for sure, but the team did make it to the Final Four, had a lead in that last game. And now that you've had some time to put that in perspective, what was your takeaway from the experience a few months ago? Overall, I mean, it was great for us to – Uh, be able to make that deep run last year. It's the first time in program history that we've ever done that. And with us, we had a pretty young core, I would say, mostly sophomores and juniors and sprinkled in some freshmen. Um, So now moving into this year, you have guys that are all returning from that deep run. They have a little bit more experience under their belts, and I think that they uh, can learn from some of the mistakes we made down the stretch. Um, So we're excited to, to see what we can do this year. And, of course, fans and people around the program are probably already saying, and I'm guilty of this as well, probably uh, an hour after that Final Four appearance, hey, look, you guys should be either favored right there again, playing in the final game. I mean, the excitement level has got to be at an all-time high with that program. And at the same time, it's your job to keep everything a little bit even-keeled and and keep the kids hungry because that's – everybody thinks, well – you lose some of that hunger if you win a title, but there are some teams that lose that hunger without winning a title because, hey, look, let's face it, going to the Final Four is an accomplishment too. It's an accomplishment in its own right, but I think every player in that locker room knows that wasn't the ultimate goal. So for us actually to go that close without achieving our ultimate um, goal is one of those things where I think every guy's going to come back hungrier than ever this year. Like when you get that close and – and you, you, you're so close to getting to that peak. And, you know, we, did, we weren't quite, quite there. Um, you know, every player we've talked to has, has talked about what they're doing over the summer to get better. And, and we, uh, we as the staff are trying to make sure that they're all on the same page next year, too. You know, we've already done our summer meeting. We've implemented a workout program for these guys to, to take home for the summer. Um, we have goals they need to hit physically. And then, you know, it's it's really comes down to us recruiting right and bringing in guys that are even going to push these guys. So that way no one's comfortable. I mean, even guys that returned last year from the Final Four team, you know, we don't want them coming in here thinking they automatically have a spot on the roster or they're automatically first line or top six or anything like that. I mean, these new guys that we're bringing in are, are going to fit our culture well, but they're really going to push our returners as well. And I love that word culture. And, of course, you always think, and, and as long as uh, I've been around the program, there's always that talk of, hey, look, we're, we, we can compete for a national title here. And, and you've taken baby steps to get into that position, which you certainly have now. And you always are telling yourself, I think we can win. But, but personally with yourself, there's always that moment of clarity where you say, wow, I really do think we have a chance to win. Was there a point last year where that came to you and you said, I, I think we are good enough to really make some noise in that national tournament? And, and being honest with yourself, because you know sometimes you know teams are 12th in the country and they're like, yeah, I think we're really good. But in the back of their mind, they're like, yeah, I, I don't know if we have that next step. But I think there was probably a point, Nick, where you said, yeah, I really do believe that we are as good as anybody in the country. I mean, no doubt it was, it was the Chicago Classic Championship we won last year in November. I believe we went in there ranked as uh, the fourth-ranked team, and 
We played the defending national champions our first game in the tournament, and we beat them. Um, and then, you know, you move in and play the number two team in the country, you beat them. And then we played the number three team in the country in the championship, and you beat them. So at that point in time, I mean, confidence is an all-time high. It's the first time we've done that as a program. And uh, moving forward, I think as a staff, we, we had that confidence that not only can we compete this year with this team, we know that we can recruit guys and coach guys up and develop players to win at this level. So it gave it gave the guys in the locker room confidence. It gave us as a staff confidence because realistically we're fairly young at the Division One level. That's just only our fourth season, and you know I think a couple seasons even you know fifth season, and then a couple of them got cut short due to COVID. So really we we didn't have a, a great measuring stick on how we had progressed as a program over three or four years with a different recruiting class and strategies and what we wanted to do. And, but that, I think, solidified it for us last year, and, and it, it turned the page for us moving forward. And I've talked to head coach Anthony Vigneri-Greener about this uh, a couple times because I think it's to, to watch the evolution of, uh, of the coaching staff, not just the team, is kind of interesting as well. I mean, for you personally, from year one where you took this program over with Anthony, where talk about your evolution personally as a coach because – I've said to him a, a lot of times, I said, you know, that first year, there's a lot of fire in your belly. And it's not that it's not now, but it's controlled, which allows you to be better behind a bench. Do you feel that for yourself? Definitely. I mean, you're constantly learning in this profession all the time, um, whether it be picking the brains of other coaches or just through experience and reflection. I mean, there's there's different things that um, you know, we change year after year. I mean, hopefully as you get, get going a little bit more and, and we get more experience and everything, you're changing a bit less because you're successful. But from year one, I mean, you, you have to put a vision in place. And I know we, we've always had that vision on what we wanted the program to be. But there were a lot of learning curves for me as a young coach going through on, on how to recruit and making sure that we're making several phone calls for, for certain players and looking deeper into their background and um you know i don't think we did that as well the first few years it was really just about talent and trying to compete at the d1 level um and then that changed it really became more about character um and and that was a big part of it is bringing in the right players and then you know one thing we always do at the end of the year is get feedback from our guys and i remember specifically looking back at my notes just last week back in 2017 um, every guy said they wanted more structure, more structure. And so, you know, we, we sat down as a staff and, and, you know, we put in more structure. And um, now it's like the structure aspect of it is a given. Yeah, and then that's real. That is interesting. And, and full disclosure, I remember when you're at the D2 level of the ACHA, and, and you can remember the days where in between periods, you know, the guys would come and talk to their girlfriends sometimes and I mean I'm like I think I was thinking always thinking to myself well I I don't know if I love this and and I thought well maybe I just don't understand yet uh, at this level what what happens or what goes on but I think there was a switch at some point where you said hey look we're we're not doing those things anymore, and we are going to talk about how we're going to get better, and your girlfriends can wait until after the, after the game. And I, I, th- I thought once I stopped seeing that, and of course that's just a, a small component in what you implemented, but once I started see, stopped seeing that and started seeing a, a more serious flavor to the team, I think that that's when you started on the road where you're, you eventually got to where you are now. 
Yeah, I mean, bottom line is there's students that play hockey, and then there are student athletes. And it really changed when we started going after student athletes. Right. Um, and guys that were coming here to play hockey, get a first-class college hockey experience on and off the ice. Well, realistically, in our first year, we had a really late start in recruiting, and you know, we knew what we wanted it to be, but at the same time, we had guys that, you know, this isn't a knock on them, but they were they had been hockey players growing up, but they were just going to UNLV. Now, you know, we're looking at transfers from NCAA Division One that are coming here, NCAA Division Three. Um, you know, guys that want to continue to probably play hockey after college. So now it becomes our job to make sure that, uh, you know, we're doing a good job um, developing them for that and, and recruiting for them to play at the next level and making those phone calls. And, you know, it's changed a lot. My role is, is now, you know, obviously it's always been to put guys through and graduate. Um, but now it's like, hey, we're trying to move guys onto the professional ranks as well. So it really, it really just started with bringing in a different kind of, of player. And you have done that. I mean, I don't know if people realize that, but there has been a lot of players that have left UNLV and gone to sign contracts in other places. And and guys, and one kid that comes to my mind is DeAndre John, who is getting paid to play hockey right now. But I've always I always liked him from day one. But, you know, he was never, you know, a guy that you would lean on for scoring. But because of the culture of your of your team and the structure that you put into place, he took that somewhere else. Uh, and even if he wasn't a top line scorer, uh, he was a guy that is a valuable commodity to another team overseas. And we talk about that with our players all the time is your roles are going to change throughout your time here. Um, and, and you need to be able to to adapt to that you know we have guys that were you know top six players two years ago that now are going to be more of a shutdown type guy and um i think that when you when you do that throughout your four years in college you become much more valuable to any type of pro team that you're looking to approach knowing that you know you've played center you've played left wing power play penalty kill and you've developed and succeeded at those areas the last four years here at unlv so you know we always talk about contributing to the game i mean even if there's a guy that is someone we lean on for scoring hey if you're not scoring that game we need you to go and and lay a big hit we need you to be really good on the forecheck um contribute to the game in some other facets so um those are the things that we preach and i think that uh, a guy like deandre um was able to do that and now you know he's he's moving on to, to other levels of hockey and i'm sure he's uh, much more valuable to his team i mean doesn't it just come down to Nick, uh, you know, all these guys are going to come in with incredible statistics for the most part uh, where they were uh, playing junior hockey, but it doesn't it come down to, hey, look, throw away what you just did. Uh, we appreciate it, and that's why you're here. But at the same time, we need you to accept your role for us to be in a position to win a national title. Exactly, and we've had players transfer in from, you know, NCAA Division One before, and um, you know, and this is a learning learning curve that we as a staff kind of had to accept was, you know, those guys aren't always going to fit in. Um, if they don't buy into what we're doing, you can't just keep plugging them in the lineup just because of their background and their pedigree and where they played before. And I think the first year, you know, we were kind of doing that. And then now it's, it doesn't matter. You know, it, you're all here for a reason. Um, and it's because you want to be here, one, number one. And number two is everyone has a role to fill. So I don't, you know, I, I personally, and I know Coach Greener can attest to this, 
don't care what you did prior, like you just mentioned. It's all about now buying into what we want here. And if you can do that and there's a role for you here and you're going to be successful at it, um, then you're going to get in the lineup. If not, and hey, you know, this might not be the place for you. We're talking to assistant head coach Nick Raboni from UNLV Hockey. And Nick, uh, before we get to the schedule, uh, I'm interested to know, you know, when, when you first got into this program and you went out and started to recruit kids, uh, not only has the level of player uh, increased throughout the years, but how have the, dis- the discussions changed? I mean, you've gone from probably, oh, UNLV has a hockey team to, oh, yeah, I know how good you guys are, and we really are excited to have you in our living room talking to our, uh, to our, our kid or our player. I think there's several aspects to it now. Number one being the Vegas Golden Knights coming here, um, you know, building the, the hockey foundation in town creating you know knights fans number one and turning them into hockey fans number two and you know then the silver knights are here as well so hockey's really just been embedded into this community which has played a huge role in our success and obviously the rink and the locker room and being able to play games at a first class facility like city national arena is, is number one you know fans love coming there and we do a good job promoting it um and, and then you know, the second aspect of it is scheduling. I mean, now you're, you're moving into playing some NCAA D1 games, um, four of them this year for us. And not only that, but we play some of the best ACHA teams in the country. And I think guys at a high level want to come in here knowing that they're going to play good competition. And so for us, it's always about scheduling the best. And, you know, we don't want this to just be a one-off year with the NCAA games. We want to try and keep pushing that year after year to keep those on the schedule. And now you have guys from a high-caliber junior leagues that, that know you're going to come here and play some NCAA games no matter what. And you're about to reveal the schedule, I think you said on social media, in about a half an hour. Uh, we already know with the uh, Division One opponents that are on the schedule, we already know this is the best schedule this, this team has ever had. Um, but can you talk a little bit about what went into scheduling Denver and, and Alaska and getting them to agree to play an ACHA team? I mean, that really says something about you because they're not going to waste their time if they think it, what is perceived to be a lower-level hockey is not going to give them some competition. We were really lucky um, for them to be able to reach out to us, honestly. Um, I think that just goes to, to show you know, how far we've come as a program for NCAA teams to reach out to us and want to play us as exhibition games to help grow the game out west. Um, you know, I think a team like Alaska Anchorage and Fairbanks, they want to see more teams on this side of the country simply for travel purposes. And I think that to help kind of keep their program sustainable is, is a big deal. Um, so a program like us or Oregon and, um, you know, maybe University of Arizona to, to hopefully get more exhibition games at the NCAA level uh, will open some eyes in those regions of the country that, you know, this could be a viable option to make money um, at, at any of these universities. I mean, you look at uh, hockey in general and, you know, nine times out of ten behind uh, basketball and football, they're, they're one of the sports that are generating revenue. Um so I think that that's a big deal is, you know, we put a good product on the ice and, keep, you know, have a good reputation um, for running our program well. So these programs w- would take a gamble on wanting to play us. Can you reveal, and I know it's going to be in about 35 minutes or so, but can you reveal something about the early part of the schedule? Um, what's the home schedule look like? Who do you open up against? Something like that before maybe get a flavor of what the schedule is going to look like? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, you know, as, as you mentioned, our first game of the year will be at Denver and Magnus Arena on October 1st. Um, and then we come home October 7th and 8th, and we're going to open up versus the, the University of Utah, who's generally a pretty Terrific. big rival of ours. Yes. Um, those, yeah, those are games that are going to be probably played at Lifeguard Arena, and we're hoping to get one of them um, played at Dollar Loan Center, um, you know, pending the AHL schedule for the Silver Knights. Um, if we can get one of those out there, I think it would be fun. It's going to be a, you know, a home mean Henderson type weekend um, where we can really, you know, hopefully expand our fan base even further. And then after that, you know, we travel up to Alaska and, and then, um, you know, then we come home and um, we, we have some really big games versus Arizona State. And uh, Arizona State's always another big rival of ours. And we're bringing back the Midnight Madness game on that Thursday night where, you know, we pack that thing with probably – Six seven hundred college students, and, and it's loud. It's a tough place to play, and a lot of fun for both teams. So that's probably the, the realistic uh, aspect of it. The early parts of the schedule, um, you know, and then we do we do bring Alaska down here to play us, which which is really big. I mean, it's it'll huge. be the first NCAA yes. Division One game that UNLV will play in Las Vegas. Um, so it's, it's history making, um, and we hope to hopefully maybe get that one at Dollar Loan Center as well. Um, just because, you know, Alaska Anchorage is bringing down about 150 alumni for the game. So we expect our fans to show up in droves for that one, too. But I think those are some big ones to touch on. And then moving into it, you know, we're, we're renewing a, another big rivalry with San Diego State, making their, their jump to ACHA Division One this year. So we'll play them at home on December 8th. Um, and, and that's always a fun one. You know, UNLV San Diego State at any sport is, is going to be one that, that fans really love to engage with and, and see and um, we're really excited to have them back on the schedule. Well, it's great to have San Diego State because hockey is a sport where UNLV wins those games. Hey, can you? Uh, last year was one of the things, Nick. I, I really liked last year's schedule because it was so balanced. And previous schedules, it, it was either really top heavy and to begin with at home and uh, maybe top maybe bottom heavy at home as well. Uh, some travel in between there, but I, I just didn't feel like there was a a consistent flow to the schedule last year was fantastic and it looks like that this is going to be the same thing this year as well yeah it's really balanced um in terms of home and away and and just like not being you know home for several weeks in a row you know we travel a bit we come home it's 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 one of those things where it's you know we're we're back and forth quite a bit every other weekend Uh, but i think that's good for fans too um, you know, that, that weekend we play Alaska Anchorage, you know, they're actually going to be playing us on a Wednesday night. Um, and then we'll be playing Liberty University at home the 18th and 19th. So, you know, for us, Liberty is, a, is another gigantic rival. They're a good program. They, they run extremely well, um, and we love playing them. So we're going to continue and have a home-and-home with them again this year. Uh, but this will be the first time that they'll venture out to Las Vegas and you know, their fans are rowdy, but I, I can't wait to show them what our fans can do, too. Yeah, I can't wait for that either. I guess it gets my blood boiling a little bit. All right, last question, Nick. I, for a minute, I, I mean, I I know you get asked this all the time, and it's but it is obviously on people's minds, and it's good that you get asked about it because if you didn't, you would worry about that even more. But say a team does the team does win a national title in the next two years or so what exactly is the next steps or the process to finally climbing into that d1 level for good i think it really starts regardless of whether we you know whether we win or not um is really just a feasibility study 
Um, I think the university really needs to kind of be open to that. And, um, you know, that's something that the NHL can help promote. And, uh, you know, UNLD has to be able to say, okay, well, let's take a deep dive into this thing and uh, see if it's going to be financially sustainable and how we would go about doing it with Title IX. And um, I I would love to see the university accept that and really just um, kind of of open their eyes to that a little bit more. Um, I think that's the very first step. And then after that, you know, you see what the results are and, um, you know, hopefully the Knights are building another facility here in the next two to three years, and maybe they're open to uh, a 2,500-seat arena, you know, which is perfect for college hockey. And, and we've kind of had those preliminary discussions with them about that, and we want to continue to move forward with that. So I think that those are part of it is, you know, starting in the direction of a facility that makes sense for Division One, um, and then, two, the university kind of um, being, being accepting of uh, wanting to push it a little bit more and, and maybe – um, with all the realignment going on in, in college athletics, it might be something they're open to. How could they possibly, and this is me just saying what I've said for years and knowing some of the atmospheres that you've had at City National, even you know before that over at the LBIC, how could they possibly go to a home game? And I'll even make it a little bit more detailed. How can current UNLV AD Eric Harper, who dropped the, one of the first pucks last year, how could he go there and say, wow, this is not really what I expected and what is not happening at most universities, and I think we have something here that can make money, can, that can generate money for the athletic department. I mean, you have really built this thing to the point where – I mean, in some regards, it's it's kind of comical if UNLV doesn't take a hard look at this. I hope so. I, I mean, in Eric's defense, you know, he's fairly new on the job at this point still. I think um, for for him, you know, I, I, I understand him having to kind of reevaluate everything from football to basketball to conference realignment. I'm sure there's plenty going on in that athletic department. But at the same time, uh, I agree with you. I, I mean, it's hard to walk into City National Arena on a Friday night. Um, like I said, <laughs> yeah. there's 700 fans there and, and uh, our season ticket holders and, um, you know, our tailgate and things like that and really think that this couldn't work as a Division One sport. Um, so it's uh, it's one of those things where I hope time will, uh, will tell and, and things unfold a little bit more in, in Eric's eyes for him to, to be able to consider this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, as a staff, we would love to see it. It's been our goal since day one. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep pushing for it and for, for the things that we can do and control. It's just scheduling and keeping those NCAA games and recruiting and putting a great product on the ice. And, you know, maybe there's somebody else that can get in Eric's ear uh, about wanting to, to kind of move forward with it. Yeah, and it, and just you know to give people an idea, if you hear 700 and you're like, wow, that's not that much. Well, this is a practice facility that's not built for 700 people. So you could walk in any, any home game and see people two or three deep around the glass. I mean, that's how much the demand is for a seat there. And I can't – there's no way that this thing could not be built into a D1 program or, you know, obviously for your from your standpoint – I mean, you're already there, whether you win a national title or not. So, Nick, we always appreciate you coming on. All the best to you and Anthony, and we'll we'll talk to you before the season starts. Thanks, Dana. Appreciate it. 
All right, there he goes, Nick Raboni, assistant head coach for UNLV Skate and Rebels. Take a quick break. When we come back, we'll try to make sense of everything that's going on in the NHL and the NHL draft. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous steak bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles Game Day Giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree! Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles Game Day Giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks.
All right, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline from the Brian Blessing Studio. This is a little bit more upbeat. That's Chris Moose Johnson. I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. About 17 minutes to go on the show. Yep. And then it's weekend time. I will say this, uh, doing the show for five months now. This is a five-month mark. I've, I think I've said that three times, but this is really the five-month mark. I, I really do value the weekends back to when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Because then I'm just back to my normal stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have this this whale on my plate every single oh, day. Man. But um, who are we listening to? We're listening to Weezer. Uh, this More song Weezer. is called Burnt Jam. Of course it is. It's a it's a great song from uh, their album Melodroit, which is like like about twenty years old now. It's I like crazy. this man. You pick out you pick good music. I try to. I mean, it's something something different for sure. I would never stumble upon this. Oh yeah, no, I I have to put on all kinds of different songs that you would never stumble upon. Of course, last night my stereo broke for some reason. What? Yeah, yeah. That's horrible. It's, it's it's what I deal with in my life. Man, that's, so that's, that's, like, that's like the worst thing to have happen. Just your stereo just breaks. Yeah, that's what happens. I'm writing a I'm writing a um, column for Phillies and Cardinals this weekend. I like to crank up the the stereo because I don't. Sometimes you just don't want something in your ear all mm-hmm. the time, and that's kind of where I am with that. But um, yeah, I look over and all of a sudden, it doesn't work. What's what's going on here? And, and gone are the days where you have this big, like you don't know what this is, but your parents will tell you about the days where you would have these giant, this giant stereo system would boombox. No, not a boombox. Mm-hmm. There would be an actual stereo system that would be about five feet tall. <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about. Talking and about, and it, would, yeah. it would be the centerpiece of your living room. Yep. And, um, yeah, we just don't have that anymore. I do miss that. My dad had a huge one, and he sat in front of it when he didn't want to listen to the kids, which was pretty much all day long. <laughs> anyway, all right, um, a lot going on. And, of course, we, we talked about Slavkovsky going to the Montreal Canadiens uh, in this year's upper deck NHL draft at the Bell Center on Thursday. And I love I and I don't understand sometimes and we'll get to the other moves, but I don't understand look look, I, I know that everybody thought that Shane Wright was going to be picked number one. There was Montreal Canadian fans there that actually had Shane Wright shirts and <laughs> you know the the Canadians did a complete turnaround a couple days before and we we when we were talking i don't know if it was the dennis bernstein earlier in the week i i knew like it didn't make any sense at that point if you were going to indeed draft shane right why you would float it out there that you wouldn't that you weren't going to that, that would do nothing for him and really when you have the first pick overall i mean what are you trying to what you, i don't what are you trying to cover up Unless you're trying to make a deal or something like that, but I, I don't. And of course, they did not pick Shane Wright, and I like Slavkowski to a, to the extent of he's got an NHL body, six four two twenty nine, but he did play in Finland. So again, I don't know how that equates to an NHL uh, to the NHL level. I remember years ago when Brian Blessing and I used to do the show, and 
we would talk about when Vadim Shipashov was brought over from Russia. And we would argue about this quite a bit because Brian would say, oh, this guy is going to be terrific. He's this. I've watched him at this tournament and that tournament, you know, these high-level junior tournaments, um, world championships. And I, and I kept on saying, well, that's great and all, but what is he in game 38 on the road against Ottawa in the middle of the week? Like, I don't know. It, it's, you expect these guys to get off to a good start, but once you get into the grind of the season, and the grind of the NHL is so much different than any other league in the world, that I don't know, like, what... I, I can't equate. Like, you cannot tell me his... Give me KHL numbers or even OHL numbers and uh, WHL numbers and say, well, look how great he did. I don't know who he is. Just like, well, we'll bring it to you, uh, Chris. I mean, mm-hmm. in college football, I see a guy in college football and I say, okay, great. You were great on that level. Now, what's the percentage of people that go to the next level and are great at that level? I, I don't think it's, it's, it's that not, high. It's not that high, but at the same time, there are moments where you can see that there are certain players that are just like, that's just a different guy, and he's going to be great in the NFL no matter what. Like He's going to be great in the league. Like For example, like when we saw LeBron James come into the NBA, it's like, yeah, but no, shooting, we, knew, we knew he was going to be LeBron James. You're shooting straight to the top. Yeah. The, but like, the, the Austin Matthews, and we knew yeah. of his impact. But even when you get to pick number five... But, for example, there is also Tom Brady, who falls to the fifth round, who becomes the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. So, I mean, I guess I get it. There are moments where you can... Where you it doesn't make... It doesn't matter. But it's rare to see a late pick be as good as they are. Except for, like, a third rounder. Third rounders are always really good for some reason. And then... First round picks in the NFL, it's like it's there's a high chance that you're gonna get a good player for a long time. To get an elite player, you kind of just know when you watch certain film of them, like oh he's gonna be elite. For example, I feel like Ika McQuanwu is gonna be an elite player. I think Kyle Hamilton's gonna be an elite player. They both. So I really like mm-hmm. not to bleed into football, but oh, yeah. I really like Kyle Hamilton a lot. I do too. I, I love I, and I watched oh. him, you know, his entire career at Notre Dame. For a second there, I thought he was going to fall to the second Eagles first round pick and I was about to lose my mind. I, I was so I was spot. so excited. But then he went to the Baltimore Ravens and I went that's even better of a pick for that. He's going to be amazing. I think for example, I know it's going to sound like oh Eagle bias, but I think Jordan Davis, I was high on him the whole draft. Like even when I first saw him, I was like he's going to be an amazing D-tackle. He's six foot eight, like three, like almost four hundred pounds, and he's fast. Like that's so, it's so different for a, def- a defensive tackle. Like he's gonna, he's gonna take triple teams, like he did in Georgia. He was forcing triple teams in college against like really good opponents. So in my opinion, when you see players like that, I think you're gonna see them excel at the next level because they're just so much more gifted, like athletically, than everybody else. But like, then I, like if you're on, if you're on Georgia and you're outperforming everybody else athletically. Or you're on Alabama and you're outperforming everybody else athletically, then it makes a sense to go. Yeah, he's an NFL caliber player playing in that college realm right now. That's why people don't like. Like when I saw Joe Burrow, 
I knew he was going to be what he was, what he is, because I saw him dominate these college guys like they were like they were like middle schoolers. The diff- and again, I want to stick to hockey because there's a lot to get to, but oh, yeah. um, the difference is in college, you're not in a lot of cases you're competing against kids that were just out of high school one maybe two years mm-hmm. and so your um the the demand on you to throw an out pass on a dime against um a, an nfl caliber cornerback week in and week out no matter who you play that to me is where the separation starts yeah and, and so even like when you go back to tim tebow you know tim tebow's wide, receivers were wide open yeah, there he, was, didn't, he didn't play against anybody. There, there was, that was never legit, yeah. like this window that he just missled a ball in, and you thought, "Oh, like I want to see at that level. I want to see arm strength." So, how this equates to hockey? If you get down to say a Logan Cooley, who's going to the University of Minnesota, but he's a little bit undersized right now. He's at five ten, one eighty, right around there. He's going to the University of Minnesota, and you know, you just kind of wonder, okay, how does he was picked third overall? And you think, okay, well, you really taking that third pick and, and basing it on potential or what you think he's going to grow into. And yet yeah, he's a fantastic, uh, he, he sees the ice, he's got speed, his first move seems to be great. But again, like, we're not, I don't think I'm looking. At anybody within the next one or two years that is going to change the fortune of a franchise. And so, look, the Golden Knights didn't have any picks until today. But no matter, even if there were, you got to be in that one, two, or three to say, okay, I think this. Now, that's different than saying, oh, this guy became a great NHL player and, you know, we got him in the third round. Well, okay, you developed him, and he came in with that extra, that extra something that allowed him to be become a professional hockey player or be an impactful hockey player. But it's the bottom line is it seems like it's such a crapshoot to me. I, I want to know, like with Logan Cooley, I want to see you go to the University of Minnesota and play D1 hockey and dominate there. That's your next job. To do that, I don't think, obviously, a kid like that who's 18 and undersized, I mean, he's not ready to play at the NHL level, but unlike any other sport, uh, unlike baseball, I guess baseball would probably uh, supersede the NHL, but you draft based upon these projects that are going to help you four, five, six years down the road, especially if you're a goaltender. I don't know, like, if you're a goaltender and you're in this year's draft, and goaltenders are certainly uh, a position where you need to have reps. I I wonder how the pandemic um, is going to affect goaltending and their development because they haven't had to have, they haven't had as much reps as as you would have uh, normally. Second round, ninth overall pick, it goes to the Buffalo Sabres, which was the first goaltender taken in the draft. Uh, Tapias Leinonen. 
65233 from Finland goes to the Buffalo Sabres somewhere my guy. good friend Brian Blessing is happy about that and he's already putting together a plan why he's going to be uh, <laughs> the greatest goaltender to ever play but I, I just kind of wonder about that in the development of, of goaltenders who haven't had to have haven't had uh, the kind of reps that they've had in, in the past I, that's interesting I the other thing that interests me too when Shane Wright I don't know if you saw this but Shane Wright, who was supposed to go number one, went to four to Seattle. And when he went up in the podium, and maybe this is just social media making this up, because they do that from time to time. Yeah, they reach. But I think he turned around and stared at the Montreal Canadiens table. That's what everybody is saying. 100% he probably did. (laughs) I mean, that is... When you get told for so long you're going to be the number one overall pick and you fall to four... You, I feel like that. I feel like that adds chips to those guys, like of you know, course. shoulders. That's, that's a massive chip, though. That's not. That's like. A, that's not a small chip. That's a massive chip that's in, on his shoulder. In Slavkovsky, when he was, when his name was announced, there was booze at the Bell Center. I'm like, oh god, god these are these are kids. Relax, okay. Their lives there's, just changed. There's no Don't way. Them. <laughs> and I used to have this argument with Brian all the time too. I'm like. Don't sit there and tell me who they should have played. And he would say, well, I've, you know, and he's right a lot. I, I give him a hard, still give him a hard time. But, you know, I've seen highlights. I've seen this. And I said, of course, you, of course they're going to look good on highlights. <laughs> yeah. They're called highlights. Exactly. I need to see them, especially if we're coming overseas. I need to see you on a North American rink playing North American style hockey. For 82 games. And I honestly, I need to see it, need to see it from you at the American Hockey League level. Because even if Cooley goes to Minnesota and puts up terrific numbers, I'm like, great, great. You dominated in a league that you should dominate at being the number three overall pick. I want to see how that equates to a guy coming over and, and doing it in the NHL or the AHL. Like, if you told me, uh, here's a perfect perfect example. How many guys at go to the American Hockey League and have terrific numbers and stumble at the NHL level? A ton. And, and don't produce those kind of numbers or come close to it. Mm-hmm. You get a point, point a game guy in the AHL, doesn't mean... Most of those guys do not duplicate it at the NHL level. So if you're not duplicating it between the AHL and the NHL, don't tell me you're going to duplicate it by playing in in a German league, and that's who you are as a player. Yeah. I feel like watching this kind of unfold and hearing, you know, the the talks about, oh, yeah, here's the – it's what – like like. These guys don't really matter for the first round picks. Like, who knows what they're going to they're gonna be, and they're going to be developmental projects for like the next five years. Well, they matter. Yeah, they matter, but it's not like you know. It's like, oh my god, this is going to be such a great like generational changing shift or like an immediate impact. Like I think I think it's why the NFL draft probably takes up so much compared to every other every other sports draft for the pure fact that you're going to get a guaranteed. Well, if he's if he's as good as we think he is, we're going to see him play this year. And you know instantly, like you know, it's not it's not a waiting process. 
It's no, a, the NFL and the NBA drafts are more exciting it. because you know next year they will make an impact on your team. Exactly. And while you go watch NHL drafts or MLB drafts, I don't. It doesn't draw me in to watch them because of the pure fact I'm like, well, if I see a trade that's going to happen, cool. That can make an immediate impact. But I'm not going to see these players play for the next three, four, five years. Why am I going to go watch this draft when I'm not going to see an impact from them? And just to go through, we just have a minute or so, but Canadians, from a Montreal standpoint, they have Slavkovsky whenever he gets there, Kirby Dock, who, who they got from Chicago, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield. That, that's pretty good. And if you haven't heard, Marc-Andre Fleury re-ups with Minnesota, two-year deal worth $7 million. That's about... That's not shocking, uh, the term or the dollar amount. Alex Dabrinkit headed to Ottawa. Toronto trades out of the first round, sends Peter Morazic to Chicago. Obviously, that's a salary dump. Uh, the Leafs didn't retain any of his $3.8 million, so that worked out for him. Billy Huso, who we talked about early in the week, he's going to Detroit. He was uh, traded for a third rounder. And Zach Cassian from uh, Edmonton goes to Arizona, along with his $3.5 million salary. Good luck to Zach. We wish him nothing but the best. Hey, we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you to uh, Nick Raboni. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic as usual, and we wish him uh, in the uh, UNLV Skating Rebels not, nothing but the best. We'll touch base with uh, Corey Hirsch next week. A little phone issue up there in, in Canada. And, of course, we had a long discussion uh, about the metaverse, and, and you're <laughs> – I just want to see where this thing is going to go. You're, you're not sold on this, but no. uh, we do we do definitely. I think it's something that you got to keep an eye on. So we appreciate John Whitman uh, coming on and talking about that as well. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Thank you for joining us. We start month number six on Monday. We'll see you then. Bursting up and they're down across the line. They storm the trees like bumblebees. They travel like a burning flame. We see them slide the puck inside. It's a 1-1 hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Take me where hockey players face off down the rink. And the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. Now the final flick of the hockey stick and the one gigantic scream. The buck is in, the Canadians win the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. The best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old.